The Powers on Sports Podcast is brought to you by TicketSmarter.com and Titan Home Lending. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swan Lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. Here's the run of the play. He is the one run in This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Okay, welcome in Powers on Sports Podcast. Appreciate you finding us on your favorite podcast platform. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button to the podcast. That way you can share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues who are uh, sports fans from all over the country. And you can also find us on Twitter at JPO Sports. Uh, my YouTube channel, Jason Power Sports Channel. You can find my video interviews for all of our previous podcasts. I definitely encourage you to go back to the archives and look at previous podcasts and or video uh, got all the interviews on the on the YouTube channel and all the archive podcasts on uh, under the no under the uh, Powers on Sports podcast. Uh, got a good episode for you. Lots of stuff going on in the sports world this week. We've got some uh, some we got a World Series champion. We have some, a lot of quarterback injuries. We have our first NFL head coach fired. College football rankings come out for the first set of rankings. Lots of stuff going on, and we got a great interview spot with Chris Stewart. Uh, play-by-play man with the Alabama Crimson Tide Radio uh, Sports Network. He's going to be previewing the uh, showdown in Tuscaloosa Saturday night, LSU and Alabama. We're going to get some great insight with da- uh, with uh, Chris Stewart as well concerning the Dabo Sweeney. If you saw the the rant Dabo went on on his coach's show, uh, Chris Stewart has a uh, relationship with uh, Dabo Sweeney. So we'll get some thoughts on Dabo, uh, what's going on with Dabo from the man who knows him well, Chris Stewart. So got a lot, lot of stuff going on. In the sports world, we got a game in Germany this week, a, sh- a huge AFC game, Miami, Kansas City. Going to be in uh, uh, Munich, I believe, Munich or Frankfurt, I can't remember which city they're playing in, but playing in Germany on Sunday morning. We had the trade deadline that just passed in the NFL. We had several moves there. And then we've got some uh, more issues with Jim Harbaugh and the scandal and the st- sign stealing situation just getting more deeper and deeper. For the uh, folks at Michigan, with all the all the video and all the stuff coming out up there, for but let's first start with uh, the passing of Bob Knight, the general head coach, Indiana for many many years, three national titles with Indiana. Then he went and finished his career at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, you know, the, Bob Knight passed away on Wednesday night at the age of eighty three. He had some uh, dementia. Uh, was was a was an issue here for the last several years with Coach Knight, but he passes away. A very uh, polarizing figure in the world of coaching, college basketball. If you are of a certain age, back in the seventies, if you grew up in the seventies, eighties, even in the early nineties, Bob Knight was a fixture in the college basketball world. And then uh, obviously he had the uh, separation from Indiana University following the Neil Reed. Uh, situation with the choking and all the uh, the zero tolerance and all that stuff um 
you know, again, he had a very storied career at Indiana, started his career at Army. Obviously, he coached Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, so I'm sure you will hear from Coach K here in the next day, couple of days. And you hear, you're hearing all the tributes coming out from all over the coaching world, sports world, uh, about Coach Knight uh, and all his, uh, you know, friends and colleagues in the, in, in, the, in the coaching world and in the sports world. He was a man who knew, knew lots of people in all walks of life. I know he and Bill Parcells were pretty tight. Tony La Russa, uh, Dick Vitale and him were really close. And uh, But again, Bob Knight passes away at 83. Say what you want about Coach Knight. He did things from a could he have coached in today's today's era with social media and all that stuff probably would have been difficult for him to do that. You know he was very stubborn, very fixed in his ways. Obviously with his military background, um, had a certain way you did things, and that was the only, he was not the most flexible guy in the world, which I don't think would have played well in today's age. But when he was in his heyday in the in the late 70s or 80s and mid 90s for that 20 year period he was as good as it gets when it comes to getting the most out of his team kids played kind of the right way they did stuff the right way they never got in trouble with the NCAA for cheating any of that stuff and he graduated his players from guys from all walks of life that went to Indiana obviously you know Isaiah Thomas they had the had the last undefeated team hard to believe the last undefeated team in college basketball 1976 uh, won the national title, uh, wins the title again in 81. And people don't remember that 81 title game, I believe, was either the day of or the day after President Reagan had gotten shot. Uh, they played the national title game in Philadelphia. Indiana went on to win the title with Isaiah Thomas. And then obviously in 87, they beat Syracuse. Steve Alford's last year was his last title in Bloomington in 1987. Uh, interesting enough, I had the fortune to be on the Indiana campus in the mid-90s. I went to graduate school in Indiana in 1996 and 97. So I got to enjoy a uh, basketball season in, in Bloomington. It was awesome. It was a fun, fun year. You know, obviously at that that point he was I would say getting towards the end of his of his tenure in Indiana had not been winning as much as he had been but again just being on that campus where basketball in the state of Indiana was so revered you know football was not a huge thing on that campus it was basket when his basketball season start assembly hall big 10 I remember going to numerous games at, at assembly hall the big 10 games in the wintertime just a very very fun atmosphere coach Knight was Again, revered in that town in Bloomington, you know, probably was given a little too much rope uh, by the Indiana administration over the years. But again, when you're a living legend like that and as dominant as he was, three national titles, he pretty much could do or say whatever he wanted to do with very little kickback and blowback. But, you know, you could make the argument he was a bully and he was abusive to, you know, verbally abusive and all that stuff. And obviously the Neil Reed situation, throwing the chair, uh, you know, getting towards, you know, that 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 was inexcusable and you can't tolerate that stuff but but for all the things people don't realize so how many things he did behind the scenes that nobody ever knew about whether it was financial support whether it's charitable things he was a very very charitable guy off the court and you know I think he was kind of like a Bill Belichick in in the modern day today of tough guy bully and all that stuff but behind the scenes was a very pretty pretty good guy had a lot of tons of friends in the sports world again uh relationships outside of just basketball i know he and parcells were close tony la Russa, same kind of thing and obviously he and coach k are, are kind of tied at the hip with their army background so be will be very uh 
tough tough day with Coach Knight going down. I know a lot of friends of mine that I that I got to know in Indiana were undergraduates there and were there kind of in the last Final Four. As last Final Four in Indiana was in '92, so I have several friends of mine that I got to know in Indiana that were there in '92. Um, so just a, a tough loss in the college basketball world, sports world. Bob Knight passes away at the age of 83. So. College football-wise, college football playoff rankings came out this week. You know, the top four, I think it was Ohio State, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Florida State. I got no problem with the top four. Let's let's don't spend a lot of time arguing about who's one, two, three, or four. Those are probably the four best teams today. Uh, the argument can be made, should Washington be in the, in the conversation? They came in at number five, Oregon number six. Obviously, Washington uh, beat Oregon. Uh, you know, Washington has struggled the last couple of weeks, barely beaten Stanford and Arizona State. That probably led to as much of why they were five as anything. Um, you know, obviously Michigan and Georgia have not really played anybody, but Michigan, from a dominance perspective, has dominated every game, have not had any close games where Georgia has had a couple of close games. Auburn, the, the game was close, but they played really well against Florida, played really well against Kentucky. And then you got Florida State, who beat LSU early, beat Clemson. Uh, they're the one team that's probably on the brink of having to win them all in order to get it. I don't know if Florida State can afford to lose a regular season game because how the ACC has faltered the last month. Miami's gone down. Clemson's had a bad year. North Carolina's lost a, uh, lost a game they had no business losing. So Florida State's the one team I think probably would be in the most danger of potentially falling out if they lose a game. Washington has a big schedule ahead of them, four ranked teams in the next month, starting off with at USC on Saturday night. So they're going to have plenty of opportunity if they just keep winning their games. They could probably even lose one and then beat Oregon a second time in the title game and still get in. But again, Washington has plenty of opportunity to uh, pop into that top four. Remember, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play, so one of those guys are going to have one loss. Georgia has a tough road to go here with Missouri. With uh, they got Tennessee still to come, so they still got a couple of games, and obviously Alabama potentially in the title game in the SEC title game, or whoever comes out of the West if it's LSU or Alabama, maybe even Ole Miss. Uh, they play, and Georgia even plays Ole Miss here in a couple of weeks as well. So Georgia still has plenty of work to do. But again, let's don't fret about who's one, two, three, or four. That's probably the best. That's probably the right four teams this week. You're going to have a – it's a snapshot in time. There's going to be some changes. There's going to be some cannibalization. Teams are going to beat each other and knock each other out. Uh, you got Alabama at seven, who's still very much alive. You have Oklahoma at eight. You got Texas, who's still in the mix at seven. Texas got a big game against Kansas State this week. I think if Texas wins the rest of their games, they're going to the playoff too. So it'd be very interesting to see. I don't think I think this could be a year where a conference is not going to get two teams. I think you're going to get one team from four different conferences. The way I see it, unless there's just absolute carnage with the with the records. But again, there's too many good teams, and I think you're going to get four different conferences represented in the playoff, and I do think the Pac-12, if Oregon or Washington end up with one loss, one of those teams will be in the playoff, in my view. Um, and you'll have plenty of good, good football here in the month of November for the um, college football playoff. Again, big games this week are going to get Washington-USC Saturday night in Los Angeles, LSU-Alabama Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, and then you got the 12 o'clock game, Texas-Kansas State, a huge game in Austin. Remember, Texas is without their starting quarterback, Ewers. Malik Murphy's playing. Kansas State is a really good team. you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of high-end teams in the Big 12, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Texas. Obviously, Oklahoma lost last week, so they're, 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 their stock is 
drop significantly losing to Kansas. But again, if Texas wins out, I think they're in. Um, you know, could could Kansas State be a sleeper here? What who the could a two loss LSU potentially if they were, ran the table and beat Alabama and beat Georgia? Could they get into the into the mix? So we'll see here in the month of November. But again. Top four, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, top four, no issues. And uh, lots of great football games coming up here in the month of November on the college docket. So um, there's your college football. Um, World Series wrapped up Wednesday night. Texas wins four games to one. They Kyle Seeger named the MVP. Interesting note about Seeger. He is a now a two-time World Series MVP. Had a great year. What a job by Bochi winning his fourth title. Been to the World Series with three different teams. Remember, he took San Diego to the World Series way back in the late '90s, um, and obviously won, had the great run with the with the Giants in the in the 2010s. And now he wins with in year number one in Texas. What a job by Bochi in that in that uh, organization. Uh, they'd lost 100 games less than two two years ago. So what a job by Bochi. They win the World Series 4-1 over Arizona. Great job. Great season by Arizona. Texas goes, I think, 11-0. 10 or 11-0 on the road in the playoffs. That is an unbelievable. I think it's 11-0 in the playoffs on the road. That's probably a stat you'll never see matched again in that many road playoff games in one year. 11-0 on the road is unbelievable. So full credit to the Texas Rangers for winning their first ever World Series title. So there will be a huge party down in Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington. And a shout-out to my guy, General PA, down in Dallas uh, as the Texas Rangers get it done and win the World Series in five games. So a um, couple NFL notes, and then we will get to Chris Stewart. And we'll give you a couple picks for the weekend as well. Um, trade deadline. Some activity was done. First and foremost, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler fired coach and GM of Las Vegas Raiders in a bombshell on Tuesday night. Uh, that whole operation's in full disarray. Jimmy Garoppolo benched. They're going with Aiden O'Connell for the rest of the year. Um, Antonio Pierce takes over. The longtime giant linebacker is going to be the interim coach. A full-blown uh, a full-blown uh, rebuild in Vegas. You saw how bad they played on Monday night. Apparently, there was a mutiny going on in the locker room with McDaniels. You saw the reaction if you watched the game Monday night. Devontae Adams, the frustration. They don't trade Adams on Tuesday at the trade deadline. Uh, Mark Davis pulls the plug on McDaniels. A year one and a half of a six-year contract. The Rays are paying that guy for four and a half more years. Plus, they're still paying John Gruden. So, what unbelievable. The name to be looking out for at Vegas with all the stuff brewing at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. Don't be surprised and wouldn't be shocked if that deal is getting done sooner rather than later behind the scenes. It will not be announced publicly until the Michigan season's over. But Jim Harbaugh, probably an easy exit route out of Michigan. He had a relationship with Al Davis. Remember, he coached for Al Davis way back in the day before he got the Stanford job. He almost got hired by Vegas a couple years ago when they hired McDaniels. Um, so Jim Harbaugh would be the guy that I would say would be the leading candidate for that job um, in Las Vegas, especially if all the allegations and all the stuff keeps swirling around the sign stealing at Michigan. That will not be a good scene for Jim Harbaugh. They've got more and more evidence is getting accumulated there. So I would anticipate Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan at the following the end of the year, what, no matter what they do national championship-wise or not, uh, and taking the Las Vegas job. Um, 
his run at Michigan's about over, and I would ex- fully expect, I think Jim Harbaugh will be the leader in the clubhouse to take the Las Vegas job uh, moving forward. So would be my prediction. I think you got to bring in a GM as well. You cannot give Harbaugh full control of the, of the operation. you got to bring in a, a GM to assist with that, a strong guy, president of football operations kind of guy to do that. Um, but if you're Mark Davis, so a lot of payroll getting getting spent on guys that ain't coaching. So, um, again, Aiden O'Connell will be the quarterback for the foreseeable future in Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, will be relegated to the bench. He'll obviously probably either be traded or cut in the offseason. Uh, be, would be interesting to know what the offers they had for Devontae Adams. Uh, there was speculation the Jets potentially made an offer, maybe somebody else. He was not traded, so that could be a train wreck in the rest of the way in in Vegas. So quarterback injuries is a big theme in the NFL these last couple of weeks. A lot of guys out. Stafford hurt. Cousins blows his Achilles. Obviously, you have Justin Fields out. You have Tannehill out with Will Levis. That did a nice job in his debut. Taylor Heineke is going to replace uh, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. You could have a quarterback change in Tampa pretty soon with Baker Mayfield. So you got a lot of quarterback fluctuation around the league. Um, just a lot of turmoil at the quarterback spot, whether it's injury, poor play, whatever. Um, that will be a theme moving forward. You got a couple of big showdown games this week. You got Miami, Kansas City, and Germany. You got Buffalo, Cincinnati, Sunday night in Cincinnati. Remember, that's the uh, a rematch of the DeMar Hamlin situation from last year on Monday Night Football. You got Philly and Dallas in Philadelphia Sunday afternoon, a NFC East showdown. Um, you got the Niners losing three games in a row. You got a huge win out of Detroit Monday night. You got a strong AFC with Baltimore. You got a good game in Baltimore this week, Baltimore-Seattle. So you got a really good NFL schedule um, on the docket starting at 9.30 in the morning with Kansas City-Miami. Trade deadline-wise, you got Chase Young going to the 49ers, Montez Sweat going to the Bears. You got some small moves, which I think are good moves. Rasul Douglas from Green Bay to Buffalo. That's a good move for Buffalo. You got all the struggles going on with Jordan Love in Green Bay. His future very much in doubt in Green Bay with his poor play. Uh, Green Bay could be in a cratering situation. You had a bunch of trades. Again, Josh uh, Dobbs gets traded from Arizona to Minnesota. He will be the quarterback within two weeks in Minnesota, in my view. Um, again, following the, the Kirk Cousins situation, Dobbs was the quarterback in Arizona. You got the Cleveland situation still still uh, percolating. How long will P.J. Walker be the guy? What's the Deshaun Watson situation quarterback? So the quarterback situation is very, very uh impactful around the league backup quarterbacks galore you saw the situation in new york last week tyrod taylor gets hurt in maybe the most boring game in the last 20 years in the nfl jets giants you had devito against zach taylor or zach uh, wilson that was a train wreck of a game Dayball completely botched the end of that game that game never should have got back to to, to gone to overtime uh Dayball did a terrible job Kicking the field goal at the end of the game, there's no way you kick that field goal. You either go for it on fourth and one or fourth and two, or you you don't kick the field goal. You kick the field goal, only bad things can happen. You make the field goal, you have to kick off. They could run the kickoff back for a touchdown. You kick the field goal, could get blocked, or you kick the field goal and you miss. Gives the ball the Jets an extra eight yards to work with to get closer. And then he had a stupid penalty on the Giants, which stopped the clock. Just a complete disaster for Dayball and the Giants last week uh, in a game they never should have lost to the Jets. The Jets should have never allowed the Giants to be in a position to win the game. Uh, again, Tommy DeVito, uh, you know, just an absolute 
non-playable player at the quarterback position. Daniel Jones is supposed to be back this week for the Giants as Tyrod Taylor is going to be out. Uh, but again, a good NFL docket, good college football schedules here. Um, before we get to Chris Stewart, Crimson Tide Sports Network preview in Alabama, ten, Alabama LSU. Here are some, th- I'm going to give you three picks for the weekend that I like. Pick number one, I like Cincinnati on Sunday night, laying the two, two and a half against Buffalo in Cincinnati. What a tremendous performance last week by the Bengals going to San Francisco and beating the 49ers convincingly. Burrow's healthy. The offense is healthy. That defense is sneaky good for Cincinnati. That pass rush, I really think Buffalo's walking into a into a tough spot here Sunday night. Obviously, all the, uh, the memories and drama with DeMar Hamlin last year, you wonder how that will play on the psyche of Buffalo, but I like Cincinnati not... I like Cincinnati Sunday night in Buffalo, in, at home in Cincinnati, Sunday night football. I like Alabama on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, laying three against LSU. I think the defense will be a factor here for, for Bama. I think the offense will be good enough, and you'll hear some good stuff from Chris, Chris Stewart about the offensive development, Jalen Milrow. But I do like Alabama laying the three on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. And the last game we're going to talk about that I like this week – I like the. I'm gonna give you. Um, I like the. I like. Boy, it's a tough one to give you a third game here. The third game. There's a couple things that I would do. Here's what I would do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a Florida teaser. I'm gonna give you an all Florida teaser. Tease the Gators down from minus five, six point teaser, and tease up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to plus eight and a half at Houston, Florida. Host Arkansas Saturday at the Swamp. A must-win game for Billy Napier following the Georgia loss. If they lose this game, it's likely they're going to lose the rest of their games in their schedule. They still go to LSU. They go to Missouri. And they host Florida State. If they lose to Arkansas Saturday, there'll be a lot of heat on Billy Napier uh, following this year because they'll be potentially on a five-game losing streak uh, in year two. So I think Florida will come out with a with an inspired effort. Played okay for about a quarter and a half against Georgia, but just out, man, this is a game they got to win at home on Saturday. I like Florida minus the tease them down to a pick them. And I like Tampa Bay plus eight and a half at Houston on Sunday afternoon. Again, another must-win game for the Buccaneers. Uh, Baker Mayfield, that team, they're still in the hunt in the NFC South. Uh, it's a game they got to win. They didn't play great at Buffalo, and I expect a big performance uh, out of the defense against C.J. Stroud, who who played not very well against Carolina last week. I like Tampa Bay plus the 8.5, teasing with Florida down to a pick them. There are your three picks. Alabama, Cincinnati, and two-team teaser, Florida, and the Bucks. There are your three picks. Chris Stewart coming up, Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. Great interview with him. Talking Bama, LSU, what's behind the rivalry, the significance of the game, the quarterback situation, Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese. Lots of good nuggets. Chris does a great job with Alabama uh, Crimson Tide Sports Network. We're even going to talk a little college basketball as well with Chris. So enjoy Chris Stewart. We'll have we'll be back in just a minute with Chris Stewart, Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market for a new home? Are you looking to get into a, a single family residence, condo, townhouse, duplex, whatever it is? If you need financing help to get pre-approved, which you need to do, reach out to Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers. We'll get you approved in less than twenty four hours. We'll get you qualified. Figure out what you can afford. 
and we will get you in a position to be able to make that offer. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending. We can help you with an FHA loan, a VA loan if you're a veteran, a conventional loan, a bank statement loan. We can help you with a investment property, a second home. Whatever their financing needs are, reach out to me, Titan Home Lending and Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. As we roll into the holiday season of November and December, and you are looking to either buy a gift or potentially go in person to see your favorite NFL game, college football, Major League Baseball, the World Series is wrapping up, NHL season is just underway, and now the NBA. Ticketsmarter.com is your place to go for tickets on the secondary market. Whether it's the app, the Ticketsmarter.com app, it is the ideal place to buy tickets on the secondary market. And I've got a special code for you to save you some money. Powers10 is the code. Use Powers10 if you want to save 10 bucks on a purchase of $100 or more. Or you can use the code Powers20 and save $20 on a $300 purchase. Again, you can use this code as many times as you like all over the country, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, the college football season wrapping up, bowl games, college football playoff, whatever it is, Ticketsmarter.com and the Ticket Smarter app is the place to go. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Remember, if you haven't already done so, hit, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. Great pleasure to talk. We got the game of the week in college football up in Tuscaloosa, Saturday night, prime time on CBS. And a man who will be in the building in the press box, part of the Crimson Tide Sports Network, one Chris Stewart. Chris is a uh, very talented uh, broadcaster with the Crimson Tide Sports Network, lead play-by-play guy for the basketball program, baseball program, and does a lot of work on the football side as well. Chris Stewart, welcome in, sir. Man, Jason, I appreciate it. Really do. Thanks for having me. And, and those of you that are going to maybe see this on video, Chris is overlooking a beautiful golf course right behind him. Got the nice, uh, I don't know which hole it is, but it looks very nice up there. Look, it, it's more fitting for me. It's it's Bentbrook Golf Course, which is a great yep. public facility in Birmingham you're familiar with from, from, from the days you lived in Birmingham. I think it had just opened when you were at UAB, yeah. but uh, fittingly, I have the driving range right behind me because I need the practice team more than I need the course. So that's a that's a fitting proximity for me. Yep. All right. Well, Chris does a great job as part of the broadcast. I want to talk. We're obviously going to preview the game here. Before before we get to that, for all football fans, why is this rivalry? I mean, people think Alabama LSU the last seven or eight years have been good, but this rivalry has been a big rivalry for 20, 25 years. I remember yeah. Sean Alexander ran for like 275 yards in Baton Rouge one Saturday night. Why is this yeah. rivalry such a classic rivalry in the SEC? Well, I, both of them have been really good, and both of them have been so dominant in the West. And you're right, it does it, – it really all goes back, and, and there are those that, and again, I'm, I'm trying to make myself sound younger than I am because I remember Coach Bryant and uh, Charlie Mack squaring off and, and how good those teams were. And, uh, uh, you know, even before those, uh, you know, days, they it goes back a long, long time. But most notably with television, and it all comes back, really it ties to Nick Saban. Now, not just his tie to Tuscaloosa, but he changed things in Baton Rouge. LSU right. was getting popped on a regular basis until he took over and, of course, wins a title there and 
it was it was kind of interesting. You may remember uh, the the two years that Dennis Franchoni was at the University of Alabama. He was he was approaching some huge prop popularity himself. Even beat Saban in Tus or in Baton Rouge, and there was a famous deal where supposedly Saban had made comments about Alabama and where they were headed with the NCAA because. You know, Fran was there at that time, and I don't know if there's any truth to it or not, but but it was played up by Fran and the, the Bama side that Saban made some pretty derogatory statements. Bama pops them pretty bad. It's like 30 to 7, a surprise, especially right. in that time. And afterwards, there's a famous picture of Fran shaking hands <laughs> and pointing his finger at Coach Saban. Now, we've all joked if we'd known then what we know now, we wish Saban had clocked him. <laughs> but it was a uh, – at the time, I mean, it put Fran in the that. stratosphere and popularity. Yep. Um, and there were some good games after that. But then, of course, when Nick comes to Tuscaloosa and becomes the guy, LSU understandably was upset, hated it. Um, but they've gone back and forth, and it's been special on the field, but there's been some intense stuff off the field as well. And the, and the great point you make is both teams have been really, really good the last 12, 13 years with the different coach. You know, obviously LSU's had a couple different coaches, but they've won a national championship with Les Miles and and, and Ed Orgeron during that period, during this whole run as well. So yeah, me to me, outside of – I mean, I, I think that this may be the preeminent big-time matchup uh, rivalry in the SEC because Alabama-Georgia doesn't get to play enough, unfortunately, to be able to see yeah. that as often. So I, to me – this has probably been the premier rivalry matchup of, of heavyweight teams in the last 15 years. Yeah, and look, you can call it taking a shot if you want to, but I stand by the statement. Um, it, it proves what LSU can be. Right. Okay, it, it proves what LSU can be because Alabama has won its, its national. Now, I, I will say from the Bama perspective, going back to the arrival of, of Bear Bryant as the head coach in, in Tuscaloosa, Every coach, every coach has had at least one 10-win season. Every coach, Mike Shula, Mike DeBose, Franchoni, uh, everybody has won, had at least one 10-win season. Bill Curry, okay. everybody, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They all had at least one 10-win season. At LSU, though, uh, while Alabama's won national championships with Bear Bryant, Gene Stallings and Nick Saban. Okay, so that's a grand total of 13 between those two guys. Those three guys, excuse right. me. Stallings won one. Bryant was six. Uh, Saban was six. Those are, those are pretty good coaches. LSU's won three. Yes, with Saban. But they even won them with Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. Right. Not exactly Hall of Famers. You know, Brian, not exactly Hall of Famers. Okay. Uh, and those rings shine just as bright as the others. I get that. But nobody's gonna nobody's gonna go Bear Bryant at Orgeron when they're talking great coaches, uh, or even Les Miles. Right. So there's um uh, I, I think both have a lot to be proud of in what they've accomplished, but LSU um in in the last 20 years to win it with 
I guess it is 20 years now to win it with three different coaches. Yeah. Two of which um, really were not exactly stellar. That's right. that's saying a lot. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you before we get to the game, I want to ask you a question that just popped up in my head and, and something that just broke yesterday. And you have a very good sense of this too, being where you where you're located and your interactions with Coach Saban over the years. The whole Dabo Sweeney coaches the question you saw about the coaches. And I'm not going to ask you that about yeah. Coach Saban, but just that thought process of just the expectations versus what Dabo talked about appreciation, how difficult fans can sometimes get those confused and just enjoy being how great your program is, whether it's Clemson, Alabama, whatever your favorite program that's been dominant over the years. How much do we sometimes lose as fans? We're so into it every single day. The appreciation of, man, we got a great college football program or a team that we root for. Yeah, look, Jabbo's a guy that um, we're the same age. We have some – we have uh, – some of the same friends from his high school days. He went to and high school in Birmingham. Yes, he did at Pelham, and uh, uh, you know we have. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that we're tight, but we have some close connections that mm -hmm. I have. I have tremendous respect for him and for what he's done. He is, however, a guy who who most of his um, influence. If there's one guy that influenced the influenced him the most in coaching. And I may be wrong. He may disagree, but it, it seems to be that it was Gene Stallings, right? Who he played coach, for? Who he played for? No, Alabama, yeah. Coach for and coach yep. for, yeah. Um, but he also um, could be a little combative, okay. Right. And I'm not saying that what the things that Coach Stallings would say were wrong. I'm not saying the things that Dabo said were inaccurate, but there are sometimes that you may be better served in not saying right and those are two guys that ain't afraid to fight you know good <laughs> men but they're not afraid to fight and if they right. feel like they've been challenged they're going to fight back which is among their strengths but it can also put them in a put them in a position like the one he's in now where uh it may not be the best look but i'll say this Dabo's far more about substance than style and right. there's not a better character guy from everything that i know than him so He's not afraid to take on that fight, but in the in the PR battle and the world we live in today, uh, didn't exactly make it the easiest on himself in that regard. Sure, and you know this: a team like Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame—they lose one game, the fan base thinks the sky's falling. Oh. I mean, it's For, just forget losing a game, Jason. I used to get uh, when I did the sidelines, I'd get texts from my wife, going, <laughs> "What's wrong with us?" I said, "Baby, we're up ten to nothing." Yeah, but we should have scored a touchdown on that last drive. <laughs> so, well, honey, honey, you know there's still like eight minutes to go in the first quarter, right? Yeah, <laughs> but we still should have. I mean, that's yeah. she embodies the Alabama fan base. I live with it. I don't have to, right. um, you know, I don't have to go and see it on the chat rooms. I got it in my ear. Yeah. So I understand what that's that's like, but <laughs> that doesn't mean they're that doesn't mean they're always right. They're incredibly passionate. Yes. That doesn't mean they're always right. All right, let's get to the game. Saturday night, yep. uh, obviously, you got LSU coming in 6-2, six, uh, six and two, Alabama 7-1. and one. LSU seem to have has righted the ship a little bit. Obviously, offensively, we know they are very talented. Jaden Daniels, 
Talk about the matchup between that LSU offense. You got a mobile quarterback, a guy who's been in the second year versus a Bama defense has been really good throughout. There really hasn't been any ups and downs. They've been above average to great all year long. Yeah, and I think one of the keys is making sure you play your assignments. And I know that's – you can say that anytime, but especially when you got a guy like Daniels and how good he is and the way he hurt Alabama last year. I think Bama's better in the secondary this year. I think they're – they're able to defend the, you know, the back half a lot better than they could, uh, the back from the backside a lot better. Um, I think they're really starting to play well, uh, and they need to. The bigger thing is the offense right yep. now and being able, if God forbid it becomes a shootout, do you have enough bullets in the, in the, the barrel yep. to get it done in the chamber? Yep. And so you can tell how much I shoot. I don't even know how to make the reference right. But uh, anyway, it's a it's a team that does I think seem to have a lot more going its way offensively, uh, but the the defense is is what they're going to lean on you know in a big way and you know I don't think enough gets said about this but Alabama's special teams are really good in terms of the kickers. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, Kool Aid McKinstry's got to be more consistent in, in uh, you know he's had a couple of muffs that have resulted in short fields and opportunities for the other side. And he's better than that. He can be a true weapon in the return game, but I think he's got to get his confidence back to make sure that's a positive and not a negative. But, man, in terms of Reichard and uh, and the the punter, as good as you'll find anywhere, uh, really, really good. And and they've got to continue to be that because this could be a – I know Vegas is saying it, but it it could be a – a game. game and 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 what you do with your your punt game as well as your your place kicker will be huge in that regard and Riker just became the all-time leading scorer in the SEC which is yeah. you know 100 years of that conference however long I mean that's a hell of an accomplishment a kid who's from Birmingham himself too so all right let's talk about Jade uh, let's talk about Jalen Milrow a little bit yeah. you know up and down year he started off you know he struggled in the Texas game obviously they lost the Texas game to me, the key to his season, maybe his career, was what happened to him the next week down here in Tampa. You were here. He didn't play a down. Yeah, He didn't play. He didn't pout about it. It sounds like from all indications he just stuck his head down, went back to work. You know, we saw what happened in the Alabama game at USF. They struggled, but they won. And then after that game, Coach Saban went back and said, Milrose, our guy, moving forward. How do you think that little week of, of inactivity for, for Milrose – helped him and basically has maybe jump-started their season. Yeah, it, it's how we managed it that was so big, Jason, because I, you know, Coach said it flat out. He didn't take the initial benching very well. Um, he did pout just a little bit, which is not his personality. He's a great kid. He's a great teammate. Uh, but we all have our moments of weakness, and, and he had one. Nothing – I don't think it was anything bad, anything right. major, but it was it was enough in a time of uncertainty that it allowed the other two guys to get an opportunity. And thankfully for him, they weren't very good. Thankful for Alabama, they were still good enough to get it done against USF and to grow right. and get better, uh, and they have. They've improved. This is – this is a kid that the locker room really likes. Yep. Uh, it's rem- it, it's very reminiscent thus far. Now, we're a long way from the finish line on this. So, 
please don't think I'm jumping the gun, but I said it before it ever happened that he ever got back in, that it had the potential to be similar, I think, to 2014 when Jake Coker was the starter, right. didn't look great, lost the job for a week uh, or two, and then got it back and became the real heart soul. He he made some key passes, mm-hmm. but he just was a tough guy that the locker room loved. Now, Jalen's a much different type of athlete, and frankly, this team needs him more than 2014 needed Jake Coker to be electric. Right. Um, he, he managed all of that well and did make some big plays at big times, but the main thing was he didn't hurt you and got right. you in the right spot and got it to – real playmakers. Alabama's got some playmakers, but Jalen may be the the best athlete on that team. And so for him to play with confidence and to play at the level he's capable of will will go a long way towards determining just how good this team can be by seasons in regardless of what that looks like ring or no ring. And this Saturday night again you're playing LSU, he's really shown the propensity to be able to throw the deep ball really well. Yeah. LSU has struggled in the secondary this year, so or this this year so far. So that's a part of the game to really look for the play action or the broken play kind of situation where he's scrambling and then hits yeah. it over the top kind of play. So something to be really uh, key here. Two more things I get you out of here. Another key matchup in this game is not on the field; it's in the coaching box. Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly. How much yeah. they know each other. Reese used right. to be OC. Reese used to be the OC for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Talk to me how you think that matchup is. Obviously, they both had a bye week. Do you think there will be some wrinkles formationally from Tommy Reese? To, you know, obviously Brian Kelly knows how Reese thinks offensively to some degree. How do you think that little that little matchup is going to play out? I, I think there is uh, some validity to that. I will say this. The athletes that both of them are working with are so much better collectively than the athletes that they had to work with when they were on the same sideline. Right. So I think, you know, yeah, I know what you'd like to do and all, but how do you do it with, with, with these RPMs, you know, when it's, when it's revved up, what, what do you like to do now? And Nick Saban's real clear to point out too, and I'm inaccurately. So when a new coordinator comes in offense or defense, they're running what we want run. They're running our system. They're not, You know, there are some some wrinkles that they may bring, but but you're you're running our system. And I think, you know, I think that helps keep it a little bit. um, You know, it's not like you you automatically know what the other guy is going to do. And look, man, the scouting is so advanced right now. I don't know how much you know, there's there's a thousand analysts on both sides. You've got it broken down a million ways to Sunday, or in, since it's not the NFL in <laughs> college, a million ways to Saturday or Thursday night if you got the uh, SEC or the ESPN package. So, what do you, what you do? I don't think is a big secret anymore. Who just does it better? And and hopefully, Alabama is going to be able to to do it better than the Tigers uh, at Bryant Denny on Saturday at six forty five. And it will be interesting to see how if there's any trickery in this game. Obviously, last year we all remember Brian Kelly went for two at the end to win the game. 
They made it. Will there be a whether it's a fake punt, you know, trick play, two point conversion kind of? We, we, there's always a little twist and turn in this game, and with so much on the line, because this is basically probably an, this is a uh, an elimination game most likely. Because obviously, if LSU wins, they'll yeah. have the head to head over Alabama at this point. But uh, and obviously, if Alabama wins, LSU will be out. So tons to play for. Tell the fans sure. if, if they're not watching on TV, where can they listen to the Alabama broadcast? You know, uh, I will say out of state, especially the easiest way to, to do is to go to the Varsity app. It's a free app. Learfield uh, puts yeah. all of their uh, properties and their schools through that Varsity app, and it's a free download. You can uh, go to the, the the Alabama football page or, or go to Crimson Tide Sports Network as you search within that app, and everything that we do on the network is available there. Uh, also, RollTide.com, the official website of Alabama Athletics. But that Varsity app is great because you can grab your phone. You've got your radio with you wherever you go, and I'm sure things are that way with with yep. you for your platform as well. It's amazing how we're able to do it. You and I in the old days doing a, an interview like this, we'd had to bring yeah. in satellite trucks and things like that. And here we are with a Wi-Fi connection and uh, looking over the driving range. Me and, and you got the same thing in your – your studio, it makes it a lot of fun for what we do. That's for sure. No doubt. Well, uh, before I get Chad, I got to get, 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 get Chris does the is the play by play guy for the Crimson Tide basketball program as well. And they're getting ready to tip off here in, a, in another week or so. Talk about the I was just looking at the schedule. You got a pretty, pretty good uh, non-conference schedule this next five weeks or so at Ohio State hosting Purdue, Creighton, Arizona. Tell me, give me a couple nuggets about the basketball program at Coach Oates. Yeah, well, I will say the Ohio State deal, if I'm not mistaken, that one's actually going to be in Destin. It's a tournament down there. So, uh, and I've forgotten because I'm not going to be able to do that game. I've got the Iron Bowl the following day, but I am going to go and and do that that Friday game, uh, Alabama and Ohio State, which will be fun down in in, uh, that part of Florida. But uh, it's a great schedule. Nate does it on purpose because he wants his team challenged and ready. Uh, they were they played a challenging schedule incredibly well, good enough to be the number one seed in the tournament for yep. the first time in school history. Uh, had the the uh, the tough game against what turned out to be a great San Diego State team and lost uh, a close one. But this year with a roster that has I think four guys back maybe from last year total. Mm-hmm. Um, has rebuilt it in the portal and had already done so in in recruiting. Uh, the the freshmen and JUCO players they'd signed were going to be in a pretty good spot, but really was able to to make them a legit top twenty team with what they did in the transfer portal. And the guy's amazing. Had he lost all three assistants that had been with him all previous four years in Tuscaloosa. He right. lost those guys to Division One head coaching jobs. Right. He joked. He goes, man, I'm, I'm walking around the office. There ain't nobody in there. I had to hire a staff just so <laughs> I'd have somebody to talk to. And, he, and in the midst of hiring a staff, hired or found all those uh, players in the portal yeah. and finished off recruiting. So for them to be in that conversation speaks to what he's done. Two SEC titles in the regular season and tournament crowns in the last three years, but also the uh, – the job that he's done, not resting on the laurels. They're a preseason number five pick in the SEC, but the last two times they've been the preseason number five pick, 
they won the league championship. So we'll, and, we'll hope that's a good omen again. And the other part of this equation that people undervalue is the difficulty that Nick Nate Oates and that program has to, you know, when you're, when you're looking across the hall and you got the legend next door down the yeah. hall having to live up to that, and he's done an unbelievable job being right there with those guys. Jason, the toughest thing Alabama basketball deals with is that they're in the same conference with Kentucky and on the same campus as Alabama football. Yeah, right. Because Alabama basketball, in terms of total all-time SEC wins, is second only to Kentucky. Now, look, Kentucky's a different category. It's so far ahead of everybody that, that you know, you're foolish and embarrassing yourself if you don't make that caveat. But the reality is when you look at everybody else, Bama doesn't have a Final Four on their resume, and with that, obviously, they don't have a national championship. But just in terms of SEC wins, historically, Alabama's got a great reputation. But to your point, uh, it's not new with Nate Oates being there with Nick Saban. CM Newton won three consecutive SEC titles for the first time in Alabama basketball history in the mid-'70s. Right. But it was only SEC titles, while Bear Bryant was in the midst of winning, uh, right. you know, I think his – third and fourth, about to be fifth and sixth national championships, bookending what happened with those three straight only <laughs> SEC basketball titles for CM Newton in the Tide. No, that's that's a great point. And, and again, he uh, and he and Nate Oates embraces that. He loves it. I think yeah. you, his personality is the, is the type where he wants he wants all the smoke if he can get it. And he's done a great job building that program. And that that is a national. They're no longer just a regional basketball program. They are a national program. He's got a great attitude about it. He embraces. He loves college football for one thing. He embraces what he's able to do because of the the visibility of Nick Saban's football program. He made a great statement that's been kind of a a catchphrase all over campus throughout the athletic department. Why we got to just be a football school? Why can't we just be a championship school? And that's truly what they've become when you look at what's happening in the other sports under Greg Byrne as the athletic director. Well, Chris Stewart, enjoy the game on Saturday night. You will do a great job. Enjoy the hoops. You're going to be calling a lot of three-pointers. I know that a lot of threes getting fired from Nate Oates and the boys down there. So enjoy the basketball season as well. We'll we'll check in as we get towards March. I appreciate the time, my friend. Jason, appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. Have a great call. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at jposports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.